Tim Blankett Shapiro, Divorce661.com, Daily Perspective, Episode 33, Day in the Life of an LDA. How you doing this Wednesday, November 29th? Here is your updates. Three consultations today, uh, new cases. Uh, we had new cases for Van Nuys and Alameda County today. Um, five judgments were finalized with LA County uh, for people living in Valencia, Castaic, Lancaster. Those are all LA County, of course. Uh, Alameda County case, and I didn't mark down what the other one was, uh, probably LA County. Uh, approved divorce cases had uh, three approved today. Uh, one was in uh, three days for approval. We submitted just before Thanksgiving. We got it back this week. Uh, in LA County, uh, another LA County case in Long Beach. So uh, these were clients in Valencia, Pico Rivera, and Long Beach. Your cases are final and approved today, and these took between three and four days for approval because of the e-file with the courts, which is great for LA County. Um, right now is the time of year, um, going towards the end of November, going into December, where I kind of push all my clients that started their divorce uh, this year to get them wrapped up so we can kind of start fresh next year, at least from my business perspective and for the client's perspective as well. Um, most people we have finalized in a couple of days to a couple of weeks. Um, there are some outliers, you know, it's, it's not, you don't have to do it that quickly. We are able to get it done that quickly. It's definitely not a requirement. Um, but I know that most people, when they hire me, they're ready to go. They want to get things taken care of and they don't want to drag this out and deal with this for a long period of time. Uh, but those that, uh, that don't have an agreement in place, perhaps when they hire me, they just know they're amicable and they have to work things out. Maybe they need a little help from me uh, to reach an agreement um, they can take several months, which is totally fine. We just have to keep an eye on the courts to make sure they're not scheduling any hearings or threatening to dismiss the case for lack of um, it moving forward, which they can do. They normally will just send out some nasty grams. Just if you if you are taking your time uh, with your divorce, just keep an eye out. Don't throw the uh, mail into the trash or the junk. If it comes from the court, it's probably important. So what else do we have going on today? So that was the update. So yeah, if you are a client of mine, I will be pushing to try and get you finalized uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks, probably, probably two to three weeks, because we know a week out from Christmas, and we're going to lose about two weeks towards the end, and then the first week of uh, January, um, you know, people are just kind of recovering from the holidays. So got about two weeks to get everything wrapped up, guys. All right, today, um, you know, and I do these podcasts, I tell you all the time, um, the, what I do is the same every day. The process is the same. The people are different. The questions are different. Your scenario is different, and which kind of tweaks everything on how we do things and how things are processed and and what we actually do. Um, so whenever I have questions that come up on my consultations, like we had today, or if I'm doing a settlement agreement and people are asking or want certain terms and I have to ask them for clarification, that's where I come up with the content to help you guys out. Because if my clients are having these issues, I don't have these questions. I know you do as well. So I have a big show for you today, uh, lots to talk about. So let's get right into it. Um, number one, one of you have to live in California does not make the process harder when you live apart, whether you're in another state or country or county or in jail. Talked about that the other day. So uh, I had a call, I get calls all the time where one spouse is in California, one spouse is in another state. That does not make my process any more difficult because everything I do is remote for the most part. If you are in a county that allows for e-file and electronic signatures, everything is obviously e-signed and e-filed, which makes it nice. 
Um, also, even if you're in another county that does not have uh, e-file or um, e-signature applications, or they don't allow for that, um, or even if, you know, when they're in another state, uh, I use a portal called My Case, and it it's a system. It's I don't use email. I don't feel like that's secure. We have a lot of documents going back and forth with private information, account information, pensions, bank account uh, numbers and information, stuff like that. I do use a secure portal for that purpose, and it, it, it for that for two reasons. One, it's secure, and all your information will be safe. It's only between me and you. It doesn't go through the interwebs and where people can snatch it. It's just a secure communication between me and you and your spouse. And then as well as the document uploads are not submitted uh, via the internet. They are just uploaded to a portal that is a drive, a private drive that I have. Um, so it, it's not something that gets transmitted per se. Um, the other reason is that it keeps everyone on the same page with this portal, meaning we don't have to remember to reply all or whatnot. I start with every new case. I start an email thread, uh, not email thread. Now I'm confusing you. I start a message thread through the portal that uh, goes to both parties. And so anytime anyone communicates, I communicate, there's a, uh, one of the spouses communicates, it goes to the three of us and we're all on the same page throughout the process. That obviously makes people feel more comfortable working with us because I do work as a neutral third party for, for both spouses in every case. And so people want to make sure that there's not any individual one-on-one -on -one conversations going on behind the scenes. And this is one of those ways I make, I ensure that that happens. Also, with the portal, documents can be electronically signed. When I upload documents for review, you get an email notification that, that just log in and uh, take a look at what the document is. And if you have questions and so forth, you can comment and uh, make notes and all kinds of good stuff. So that's how we um, keep everyone on the same page. But to answer the question, living out of county, because of the way we handle the process and the systems we have in place, uh, or out of country even, does not make the process of divorce any more difficult. The um, What I tell folks all the time on the phone is the only thing that can be complicated in your divorce is you or your spouse. My service is the same as long as you're amicable, cooperative, and both parties will sign off on everything. I don't care. I've had, I've had cases with six kids, 10 homes, 14 vacation properties, uh, raw land, um, all kinds of complex uh, agreements and terms they wanted to put into their divorce. That's not the complication. The complication comes where if parties don't agree for some reason at some point and we can't finalize your divorce, that's where we run into issues. Usually that doesn't happen because I do a very good job on my consultations, talking to folks to get a feel. Not only are you asking your questions and I'm answering them as far as what I can do and, and how your divorce process will go, but I also want to get a feel for how amicable you and your spouse are and if you'll be a good fit for me in as far as what I do doing amicable divorce cases in California. Number two, I want to talk about where people get stuck in the process. So we start people from scratch. People call, they haven't filed any paperwork with the court, and uh, they hire me right from the get-go. And then the other group of people have are people that have started the divorce process and are somewhere in the process. Um, some And here's where people are getting stuck. Maybe they did their initial filing summons and petition and so forth, then they get stuck. Okay, what's next? Some have done that and then serve their spouse. 
and then they get stuck. What's next? Because that's where it gets more complicated. That's where you, you know, even if you did like the initial e-file through the guidance file or something like that, after this, now, now it's the, it's the formalities of the disclosures of the settlement agreement of the judgment. And that's really where people get hung up. They kind of look at those next steps and I don't think they did that originally. I think they said, let me, yeah, let me, I get, you know, I heard I can do my own divorce. Uh, let me find out. Let me go to the court website. Okay. Let me, here's the paperwork. Here's a packet. Let me fill this out. They do that. And then they get it filed and then they go and start. Now they start reading on kind of the next steps and they're like, oh God, there's a lot more to this than I thought. That's where people will call me and we can take over at that point. The next stage where people get stuck is when, you know, at any time beyond that, maybe they've they've tried to do their disclosures or they did their disclosures or they even went as far as doing their judgment and trying to turn in their settlement agreement and it gets rejected by the court. So I have a whole bunch of clients that we get probably a solid 50%. I'd probably, you know, if I took a look, it'd probably be really close, like 50, 50 or 60, 40. How many clients are new clients from the, from scratch and how many people are coming to me after they have uh, had their judgment rejected or they got stuck in the process? Um, so many so that I have a package for you. If you are uh, stuck in the process, I have a flat fee package price just for folks who got stuck in the process and they want us to take over no matter where you're at. As long as you filed, I have a flat fee price, uh, package price. You can go to divorce661.com and look at our different packages. I make it very clear based on where you're at in the divorce. If you haven't filed yet, it's one package. If there's assets and debts and kids, it's another package. And if there's, uh, we're just finalizing your case and doing a review and wrapping things up, it's another price. So I think clients like that flat fee pricing because they know exactly what they're getting into. And some cases take me longer. Some are really screwed up. Some are not so bad. It all equals out in the end. But yeah, that's where people get stuck. And I'm just, uh, just to share with you, I can take over your case, any court in California, as long as you guys are amicable and sign off, we're good to go. Number three, divorced couples still living together. So um, I use Apple news. I have PCs for everything I do work-wise, but I am an Apple iPhone. I think we have all their products, uh, Apple watch, Apple fitness, iPads up. I mean, we got like 32 devices connected to our internet when I look at our our um, our, our login for our Wi-Fi. But I was uh, an article came up on uh, Apple News on the Wall Street Journal, and it, the title of it is "Housing Costs Are So High That Divorced Couples Are Still Living Together." And I can tell you, and I'm going to read a bit of the article, but I can tell you, I have clients that are in that same predicament that they are getting divorced. And I'll say, and you know, they're not, maybe they have a home and they're still, they're just going to keep the house 50, 50, keep living there because the cost of living is so expensive to number one, sell and then split the proceeds and then go and rent or buy. And number two, um, one person just moving out and then the other party buy them out and doing the refinance. In both cases, you're ending up with a higher interest rate on your mortgage and, and in any case, your rent will likely be more than your mortgage was in most cases because rents are out of control as well. And so it's not it's not odd to do that. Um, I know lots of clients that have done that, that uh, continue to live together. And they basically will just you know start splitting the cost of everything. They'll split the mortgage. They'll, they'll, they'll assume they'll, they'll, we still have to have a, a division of assets and debts in the settlement agreement of who's keeping what, their pensions and whatnot, vehicles, et cetera. Um, but, um, as far as that staying in the house, that might make more sense. Financially, you have a $3,000 mortgage. You each pay $1,500 a 
of the mortgage, let's say, as opposed to, I know here in Santa Clarita, you want a one bedroom apartment, it's like $2,800 and you're going to end up living it by yourself. And you're, would you rather have $1,500 for half of the mortgage or pay $2,800 for a one bedroom apartment on your own? You can see why people are doing this. So let me read a little bit of this article um, from the Wall Street Journal. I want to make sure I give them credit. It says, behind the easy arrangement is the housing market. Mortgage rates, behind the uneasy arrangement is the housing market. Uh, mortgage rates are over 7%. Average home prices have hit record highs. We know that. This means that more couples can't afford to leave their home when it's, it's less than 3% mortgage interest rates and set up two different households, which I was just talking about. Renting isn't always an option either, given that rents have risen more than 9% over the last two years. Estranged couples stuck together are trying to create boundaries. Husband on the second floor, wife on the first floor. They assign his and her cupboards in the kitchen, schedule laundry time, and text whereabouts as needed. One woman locks her bedroom door and keeps her supply of batteries and toilet paper in her closet. That might be a little extreme. Don't tell colleagues about, <clears throat> many don't tell colleagues about the setup because it seems unthinkable or they are embarrassed. They try to maintain civility for their kids and hold tight until they can afford to buy rent and furnish two homes. So on that, I should stop just there to mention that, um, you know, you can use that time um, to maybe you need to get a second job or wait for a raise or if you weren't working to get a job and buy yourself some time to move out. Um, we're doing that. We have clients doing that in a couple of different scenarios where Obviously, it's not their long-term intention to continue to live together post-divorce, but maybe they need a year to get things together um, or let things settle down on the interest rate front. We have clients um, waiting you know, a year, two years, three years, five years. Um, some of them are living together uh, for a period of time. Some have moved out, but they're asking their spouse, hey, can I can we have a five-year period whereby I'm hoping the interest rates will come down to maybe 5% or something like that, something more reasonable to where then they will do the buyout at that point and, uh, and refinance and remove them from the, the mortgage and from title. And so we're seeing a lot of those types of agreements probably for the last six, eight months. We're seeing a lot of those terms. In fact, I just had a someone call yesterday, past client who um, we originally were going to sell faced with this same scenario that I just talked about, about the rental prices and all that and decided, Hey, I'm going to use my 401k to buy out my spouse and we're on the same page and I want to keep the home. Can we do that? And the answer is yes. The, the, um, you know, I think I shouldn't just, I shouldn't just assume, but I would imagine most people are in a cash uh, surplus as far as having equity in their homes. This article went on to, to, um, explained that they also um, had bought, and this they had bought, not in California, this was in Mesa, Arizona, but they bought a $600,000 house in 2022 that, you know, that was a market that was going up, 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 up. And that now has kind of come down quite a bit. And the article says that they, um, you know, owe more than it's worth. Um, they lost the equity, probably put, they probably or must have put very little money down. Or maybe it came down a hundred thousand, and they cannot they cannot sell it. So now they're doing a short sale. So it's interesting that we're seeing. The, I'm hearing the word short sale on homes, which means you're asking the lender to sell your house for less than it's worth. Um, and I have because I haven't heard that term since the, you know 2008, 9, 10 um, housing crisis. So there's still or housing crash. So there's still people um, now running into those situations where everyone 
you know, we don't see what we only know what you and I are doing. We only know what we're involved in our lives, right? We're very busy. We're worried about our own finances, not everyone else. There's already people um, having issues real estate wise. These folks are still employed. Nothing. They weren't laid off. They weren't fired. Um, they both have their full-time jobs. It's just that they can't afford to move out. Uh, they can't sell the house. And so they're having to do the short sell. So that's unfortunate. Number four, how to navigate the divorce process without an attorney. So there's there's different ways that you can get through the divor a divorce in California. You can be you can do it yourself. It is true that you can do it yourself. You do not need to be represented. You do not need to hire an attorney. You don't even need to hire me. You can be a self-represented party. You both can and do your own divorce. Obviously, the trick is you need to you know follow you know what the rules are. You need to dot the i's, cross the t's, follow the the rules, follow the instructions. And it is complex. It's not recommended. Um, can people do it? Yes. I know because just like today, um, yesterday I had a call um, and the, and they said, Tim, I want to thank you so much. I did my entire divorce using um, your videos. I followed all your instructions and I did all the paperwork just like you said, and I was able to get it um, through the court and get it approved. And that's great. You know, I know not everyone um, has the money to hire me. Maybe you have more time than money. Uh, to do your own divorce, and um, and people are, are able to get their divorce cases done on their own, not just with my assistance, but you know, there's the court self-help centers and all that. They must have had a fairly straightforward divorce because it can get quite complex when you have children involved and there's child support rules, and if there's long-term marriages and you're trying to terminate spouse support, if you're trying to do an unequal division of assets and debts, it can get tricky on how you package it up so that the court will and can accept it. So one way is to do it yourself, obviously. Another, and so I'm gonna go the next level up. The next level up would be to use a service like mine, legal document preparer, someone who specializes in divorce like we do here at divorce661.com and use me as a neutral third party to get you guys both through the process. One of the benefits of using my service is, as opposed to an attorney, which I'll talk about uh, later, is that you don't have to each get individual services to help you. In fact, I require that both of you work with me. It's one of one of the mandates in working with me because it's the only way I can ensure that I'm 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 keeping. I don't want to say use the word control, but but that's the only word that's coming to mind. I can control the situation. I can. You guys are getting the same information. You're not on Google. You're not getting some third-party information from friends or another service that may not um, specialize in divorce like I do and giving you wrong information, which then causes confusion. Um, so this would be the next level up, using a legal document prepare service. If you're in California, please use me. Um, I do handle uh, cases all throughout California. And I'd be happy to, to work with you. Um, so the next step up, let's say that you work with me. Here's a scenario that comes up. Let's say you guys are amicable. You guys hire me. We do the initial petition. We get through the financials. You guys have an agreement for the most part, but there's a couple little things you guys haven't figured out yet. And then you get into, you have like a little uh, rub where you guys can't get through something. It doesn't matter what it is. Maybe you can't agree on child support or property division or whatever it might be, but you're still amicable. What you can do at that point is you can then say, Tim, we're having a little trouble. What what can we do? And what I'll normally do is say, well, have you considered using a mediator, getting a mediator involved? 
And usually they'll say no. And I say, well, what a mediator will do is they can sit down with you guys, either you know in person or on Zoom or however they're doing it these days, and sit down and kind of go over what those issues are. The nice thing about having started with me and then going to a mediator is you would have narrowed down what those issues are. Meaning, if you go to a mediator, which you can before you you know before you file for divorce, go to a mediator to have everything figured out. You can do that. But if you if we start the process and we get through and we get to the point where you guys can't figure out one or two issues, then you go to the mediator and say, hey, we have these one or two issues. Can you sit down with us and help us hash this out? And then once they help you hash that out, you come back to me and say, Tim, we got it figured out, and let's move on. That works out beautifully. The next, um, the, again, the alternative is you can, you know, go to a mediator and then get everything figured out and then come to me and then we can put you through the process and you don't have to worry about not being in agreement. I have uh, mediators that refer to me clients who have not filed for divorce. They went through the entire mediation process, got into a settlement and then called me and then we took over and they didn't have to, we didn't have to work on their settlement agreement because that was basically done. So then we're just putting them through the process, doing the filings, doing all the procedural steps to get their divorce um, complete. One thing to consider if you are thinking of using a mediator before filing for divorce is you aren't starting you aren't starting the clock on the six months. Um, I do get referrals from mediators who they spent th three or four or six months in mediation. You know, they're not going every day, but maybe it's once a week or every two weeks, you know, they're going back and they get done. And then to find out that they now have to start the six month clock. So there are some benefits to filing, even if you're not, you don't plan on moving forward immediately because you need to do mediation. You can at least start the clock on the six months, take three, four, five, six months, whatever it takes to get through the mediation. If it takes that long. And then you come back and so if that happens and the six months have already passed, then all it is is processing time with the court. We're no longer waiting for the six months. So just keep that in mind. <clears throat> Number five, uncontested divorce and how to save money. This will kind of go back to what I was just talking about as far as, you know, what, I, I should go back to number four because I didn't talk about attorneys. I talked about um, doing it yourself legal document prepare, me, uh, com combination of a, of a mediator, and then an attorney. Obviously, we were talking about doing this without an attorney, but here's the thing. If you are going to have a litigated case, high conflict case, you're going to go to trial, there's a high likelihood that you're going to need an attorney, unfortunately. And here's the thing. If your spouse goes and gets an attorney, it doesn't mean you have to get an attorney, but it means that your attorney is going to have I'm your attorney. Your your spouse is going to have an attorney giving them all the legal advice they need, and it, you would likely be disadvantaged if you didn't have an attorney, at least on a uh, consultation basis, to find out what they're doing to make sure that your rights are being protected, as well. So once someone gets an attorney, you're going to end up usually having to get an attorney, um, and especially if you guys are going to any type of hearing or trial where you have to get up in front of the judge and explain to the court, here's the rules and here's how I'd like it applied to my case. I think otherwise you might get railroaded a little bit if you don't have an attorney. So that would be unfortunate. That's a goal to, to keeping it, your divorce uncontested and amicable, which is number five. Uncontested divorce, how to save time and money. I mean, I think it speaks for itself. You have an attorney, you guys are, you guys are going through a litigated case. You guys aren't even talking to each other. The attorneys are talking to each other, and then they have to defer back to you to, to say, hey, this is what they said. This is what I recommend. What do you want to do? 
Um, there's no agreement in place. There's there's you know arguments. There's letters being written. There's disclosures being done. There's all kinds of other financial things that are happening before you ever get to court. And then you have to go to court. And once you get the court involved and try and get in hearings, that's where we're seeing the delays where cases can take a year or two years before you ever are divorced. And obviously the more money or the more time that you guys take with attorneys and litigation, you know, at three, four, five hundred dollars an hour, it's a very expensive um, thing to to do. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with you just letting the emotions getting the better of you and uh, the upset, perhaps. Um, and uh, and that's where people you know spend a lot of money. So we're talking about uncontested divorce and how to save time and money. You know, again, doing it yourself using a service like mine. We use flat fees. We work with both of you. You guys get to call all the shots. You guys decide on on custody and child support and um, child support and who's keeping what and all that good stuff. And you have me here as a neutral third party to facilitate the process for you. You don't have one attorney telling the wife one thing who then tells the husband that that's what my attorney told her. And then the husband says, why talk to my attorney? And, he, and they said, no, that's not true. You want to know why that happens? Number one, there's a lot of gray area when it comes to divorce, so it can be applied in different ways. And number two, of course, your attorney is going to tell you whatever they're going to tell you that's going to be in your favor. So with us, I don't get involved in the decision making at all. If you guys have questions about how this might work or what might happen if we went to court or can you give me some options uh, or solutions that we haven't considered to maybe help us reach an agreement? Absolutely. But I'm not going to decide for you or tell you what to do. You guys are going to be the ones ultimately to do that. And if there's, you know, financial considerations, I'll say, talk to a CPA. If there's legal considerations, I'll say, you know, it wouldn't hurt. Go, you know, why don't you go have a, co a consultation with an attorney and say, here's the settlement agreement that Tim put together for us. Tell me the good, bad, and ugly. Like, am I, am I, am I losing out here? Is this, you know, is this fair? But I'll tell you this the settlement agreements I put together, you're going to, no one's pulling the wool over your eyes. You guys are coming to me and saying, Tim, here's my terms or our terms. I draft your settlement agreement and I say, here, look it over. It's very clear. Petitioner's keeping these things. Respondent's keeping these things. This is how, spouse, how much spouse support is or isn't. Uh, this is what the what we're doing with the kids. And you, you'll know it's not a bunch of boilerplate legalese to where you read it and you're like, what What did I just read? It's not like that with the way we do this. We're not here. We're not getting paid by the word like attorneys used to get paid back in the 1800s. So you want to save, save time and money. Uncontested is the way to do it. Number one, stay out of court. Use a service like mine. Be level-headed. Try and kick emotion out the door and make it a business transaction as best you can on the financial side, and then do what's right for your kids and not so much for you when it comes to custody and support. <clears throat> okay, number six, contested divorce, no agreement, no money, kids, and all that good stuff. Okay, so this I'm going to go the other direction on this. I had a consultation this week where um, mom wasn't working, two kids already, Husband moved on, already had a girlfriend who was expecting. They had very, the the husband um, did not make a lot of money and had filed for divorce. And, you know, she was upset. And I, I basically told her, look, there, first of all, you guys need to do your own divorce. I mean, they made less than $5,000 a month combined income. And they were already separated. Two kids, a third on the way with someone else. <clears throat> 
So I told them, you guys need to get through this amicably. You, you guys need to figure this out. You, you do not have the resources, just flat out. You know, you don't have the resources to get an attorney. If on top of their, their month-to-month, you know, needs, they're now going to get attorneys, which they're going to at least spend $10,000 easy each um, through litigation, all because, and I hate to say this, actually, I don't hate to see this. <clears throat> actually, this is going to be a different topic, but... Don't let other people get involved um, in your in your process. You guys, you know, don't let third parties get involved in the in this. In this the, this in this case, the this uh, husband had already moved on in a new relationship with a child, which that obviously is going to cause stress on his part, but mostly on the the current wife who's like, I have two, two kids with you, and you need to take care of them, and now you have this other relationship that you have to deal with, another child that's coming. And we have, we make X amount of money, and how are we going to make this work? They they are going to have to figure it out. That's all I could say to them or to her rather. I, I said, hey, you're this is a bad situation, you know. It's, it's unfortunate they couldn't stay together. I mean, to, just to, for the financial side of things and for their kids' um, sake. But uh, it looks like it's already gone beyond that. They're already getting in a in a, a place where they were not talking uh, and or communicating well, and they're already talking about it going to court. So. You know, hopefully they'll settle down and reach an agreement and do if you if you do the what's in the best interest for the kids and you guys come up with a fair agreement, that's going to save you money and you don't have to go to court and you don't have to have a contested divorce. Number seven, the three ways to get through a divorce. So this is I'm talking about the procedural ways to get through divorce. I'm not talking about attorneys. I'm not talking about using me or doing it yourself. I'm talking about the three processes because you guys keep doing these defaults without agreements and you're getting your judgments rejected and you keep hiring me and that's fine. I appreciate it. But those of you trying to do your own divorce, let me tell you the way you want to do it. So three, three types of divorce cases, default without an agreement, default with an agreement, uncontested. Okay. Now I'm going to go over those specifically default with agreement. First of all, let me clear the words for you. What does default mean? Default simply means the respondent did not file a response. So default without agreement is no response was filed and no agreements being reached. So when that happens, you, you're not submitting a settlement agreement because there's no agreement, right? You, you can't draft a settlement agreement because this, the respondent isn't signing it, either because they're not participating at all intentionally, or what's mostly happening is you're thinking it's easier to not involve your spouse. And so you're trying to do a default without an agreement. And I'll tell you for the 18th zillionth time, it's the most difficult case to get through the court. There's a special way it has to be done because now it becomes highly technical, highly procedural, and you don't want to do it. And when people, whenever people call me, say, Tim, I'm getting rejected judgment. Can you take over my case? Yes. So is your spouse cooperative? Yes. Are you amicable? Yes. I look at their paperwork and I say, well, why haven't they done their disclosures and why aren't they signing the settlement agreement? They said, oh, well, I just, I didn't think I needed to involve them. Yes, you want to involve them. If you do the default without an agreement, it has to be filed a certain way. You don't get to make decisions. You have to divide all your property equally. The settlement or the judgment needs to match the terms of, of what you put in the petition and nothing else. It's very strict. Um, I took on a case today. Um, he said, and he told me, um, I told him, hey, I, send me your paperwork first. I need to see based on how you filed your petition if I can get push this through as a default without an agreement because the spouse wasn't cooperative, wasn't participating, but they weren't do they weren't responding or fighting it. 
And so when I looked at his paperwork, fortunately, he did his petition and, and financial disclosures good enough to where I could submit his judgment without the spouse needing to sign off on it. So, but in most cases, what you're going to want to do is a default with a written agreement. So listen, folks, to this, because this is going to change your world if you're having your judgment rejected. Even if you've already filed and you were trying to have your default without an agreement pushed through, even if you filed the default and your judgment's been rejected and you say, and you're listening to this and, and you're saying, so you're telling me, Tim, that I can now turn this from a default without an agreement to a default with an agreement? And the answer is yes. There's, you just look at the checklist for default with an agreement. There's a couple of forms the respondent needs to sign. They do not need to file a response. Still a default. Remember I told them again, default, no response filed. So it's just you're uh, you're having an agreement, a settlement agreement attached that your spouse will sign, plus some other procedural forms that your spouse will sign. And that will then slide right through, barring all the other mistakes you guys normally make. But that will not be the reason because of, of it being the way the procedural type of case you're trying to submit. And the third one is uncontested. Uncontested means a petition was filed and your, the respondent filed a response. Keep in mind, just because a response was filed does not necessarily mean that your spouse does not agree to the divorce. It's just them making a formal appearance in the case. Um, as much as I preach to my clients that we don't file responses for our clients, the reason I do that is for the sole purpose of saving them money. Filing the response triggers that second $435 court filing fee. I think a lot of people aren't aware of that because, you know, they'll say, this will come in a couple of fashions. One, um, we've already filed and paid our fees and I filed the response and I'll look and the response was rejected because they didn't include the filing fee. And they said, oh, I didn't know there was a second fee. So we purposely don't have our clients file a response. We do the default with agreement, which is identical to uncontested, but for no response being filed. So it's, it's kind of the middle ground. It's, it's an agreement, but you don't have to pay that second fee to file the response. I'll have clients that, you know, even I'll tell them, I'll say, hey, we don't need to file the response. They'll say, well, you know, the summons does say if I don't file a response in 30 days, you know, this and that can happen. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. If you want to file the judge or the response, we can do that. I don't charge extra for it. You would just pay the extra fee and we'll file it. Like I said, filing the response does not mean it's contested necessarily. Now, it could mean it. I mean, if you, like when people call me, like in this case where I was talking about the, the, the folks with um, the issues uh, just, just a few minutes ago, he had filed, she was served. And in those cases, you know, you need to file a response because then you're at risk of being defaulted if you don't file the response in 30 days. Totally different. Now we're talking contested. So that's number four. You have default without agreement, number one. Number two, default with agreement. Number three, uncontested. Number four, contested. What's the word contested? It's a contest. You'll eventually go to court. Judge is going to make a decision, and then you have your result. And, and you have your winner or your loser. It's your contest. Number eight, don't let new relationships ruin the chances of having an amicable divorce. So I probably should have put this right behind talking about the gal who's having trouble with the spouse who now has a, a girlfriend and is pregnant. Because um, I think a lot of the issues that were coming from that were from this third party whisper in the ear, new girlfriend, you know, get try and get custody. Because apparently they originally had agreement to 50-50 custody or that mom was going to have like 90% of the time because she wasn't working and the kids were young and they're living with her. 
and he were he's working and it was gonna you know it needs to be at work and suddenly you know girlfriend gets involved and, and now he's fighting for 50 50. and i can tell you this is where it becomes unfortunate it doesn't happen with what i do because our clients are all amicable and we're not going through that bs but when i worked for the courts and i worked for a law firm 12 plus years ago um, that's what it, that was the game get as much custody as you can so you can get more money in child support and that's just the worst way to do things because obviously in doing so 99% of the time you're not doing that in the best interest of your children so don't you know don't listen to family don't uh, don't the people whisper in your ear um, no one has a good experience getting a divorce um, you know we hear all these horror stories um, but that's not I can tell you, you talk to any of my thousands of clients I probably I just the other day I was thinking I probably ha have now 8,000 clients 8,000 divorce cases I have handled over the last 12 years. And uh, they're all, you know, various levels of happy. Nobody got screwed. Nobody got took advantage of. No one went to court and a judge made a ruling that affected them negatively. All of my clients, they're the ones that decided and came to the table and said, Tim, this is what, this is our terms. So it wasn't like they signed it and walked away and got the divorce. And they're like, damn, I got, I got screwed in this deal. It doesn't happen here. Um, but yeah, in any case, don't let third parties get involved. Family members, um, you know, attorneys, obviously you have to take their advice, but take it with a grain of salt. Don't let them turn something where you guys are somewhat amicable into a um, contested case because they filled your mind of all kinds of BS. <clears throat> Stick to your guns and, uh, make decisions that are good for you and your family. Make, keep in mind your kids. Um, if you have children, I don't care how old they are, you guys are going to be in each other's lives through high school, college, marriages, and all the ups and downs that your children have. So you guys are going to be there. It'd be good to have a good relationship moving forward. All right, number nine, divorce lawyer alternatives. So what else can you use instead of a divorce attorney? And the reason I'm bringing this up in this fashion is I get, I get people telling me that they wish they heard of me sooner, whether they were doing their own divorce, had an attorney, or whatever else they were doing. And what they what's happening here is they don't know that services like mine exist where you can have a neutral third party. Just think about it. What's the first thing, the first word that comes out of your mouth when I say divorce, do you say attorney, right? Um, that's just a natural way. You don't think divorce paralegal. You might, if you think, if you go to a law firm because the paralegals are doing the work, and you're definitely not thinking divorce legal document preparer because no one even knows what that is. And we've been around since the 1990s, apparently, maybe even longer. So I talk about divorce attorney alternatives because if you're looking for a divorce attorney and you're amicable, you really don't need the attorney. If you're amicable, cooperative, and agreement, um, a service like mine can get you guys through the process. It's a neutral third party. We do all the same paperwork, all the same forms, all the same process. You still get the same old divorce. But you do it in a very cost-effective way, and you do it in a way that state keeps you out of court and nobody gets served. So that was a pretty much a very self-serving question, divorce attorney alternatives. Basically, just call me. You're amicable. Anywhere in California, I'll take care of your case. <coughs> Excuse me. Number, that was 9 and 10. So number 11, name change requests. I recommend you do it doesn't mean you have to actually effectually do that. So I, um, whenever um, we have a wife, usually, um, 
want, you know, considering restoring her maiden name or not, I'll generally recommend that they do market on the settlement agreement slash judgment that they request restoration of their maiden name for a couple reasons. Excuse me. If number one is get it done now while you are doing the divorce, we put on there that that the court you know, orders your name restored to whatever your maiden name is. And you have that document in your hand. So if you ever, if you want to do it right away, great, go ahead and restore your maiden name and go to social security, DMV, passport. You have your court orders to change your name back, but you don't have to, you could do it 30 years later, but you have the document that allows you to do that. And so that's my recommendation of, of why you want to do it. Just because you've asked to have your name restored does not mean you actually have to ever do that. So just get it done, just request it. And if you never do it, that's fine. People think that because the court, the way that's written, the court orders the name restored too, that you you're ordered to go do it. No, it's just it's ordered that's restored. You have to go out and actually have the paperwork changed, but you don't actually have to ever do that. The other thing that I want to talk about on that, as in regards to name changes, is the court is now enforcing a fee if you want to later restore your maiden name and you didn't request it. So here's a scenario. You guys went through the divorce process. You didn't re request restoration of your maiden name. Your divorce has been done for whatever period of time. Doesn't matter. Three weeks, three months, three years, 30 years. Now you want to restore your maiden name. You have to file for a name restoration post judgment. Just means after the divorce is finalized and the courts are starting to charge $435 to do that. I just had to inform a client of that who did include it in the judgment, and now they want to restore it. And it was only like three weeks after the divorce was finalized. They're like, you know what, Tim, I should have taken your advice and put that on there, but now I want to do it. I said, I'll fill it out. But I, I you know, because you're the respondent that didn't pay a filing fee, I think there's going to be a fee. I said, let me just turn it in and see what happens. Sure enough, $435 fee. And now she's like, ah, I don't know if I really want to do it because $435, I get it. But she wanted to do it. So make sure you put it into your judgment. All right, number 12, legal zoom. Legal zoom, legal zoom, legal zoom. I've uh, I haven't talked about them in a while, but I just took over a case today that was a legal zoom nightmare. Check this out. No assets, no assets, no debts, no kids, short-term marriage, and the paperwork is a complete mess. Totally wrong. We have to start from scratch. I mean, they have a case number issued, but we have to amend it. We have to start start over. And this has been going on for a year and they're amicable. They're cooperative, they're in agreement. As a total mess. And here's why. And this is not just LegalZoom. I don't want to beat on them. You know, LegalZoom, I'm sure they do well in probably, like they offer what um, a whole bunch of different services, um, quit claims and all these other things. Things that are pretty um, specific that don't, don't have a lot of, um, I want to say variety in them. That's not the word, but so many different things that can happen like in a divorce. Every case is different. It's not like, hey, I want to do a name change or I want to do um, a quit claim and it's just three lines of, of words. We're talking like 30 forms for a divorce plus procedural elements to it and serving and requirements and so forth. I don't know anyone that's gotten through. Let me know in the comments. Did you do LegalZoom and get your divorce finalized or did you use a, any type of online service um, and get your divorce finalized? The difference between all these other online services and places like Hello Divorce and... Uh, like legal zoom is legal zoom and like hello divorce. They have like a back office where you can like call an 800 number and, and say, Hey, I, I'm at this point And um, you know, what do I do next? But you don't know these people don't do what I do. They're not in the mix of it every day. They're not dealing with the courts 
they're just being they're just a call center telling you know what's the script say to say when this happens and uh you know you're not going to get correct information in doing that and that's why people with simple simple divorce cases using online service hardly ever i'm sure there's some that get through the court i just don't hear about it but the you the the heavy work is on you you are um you know you you're putting information into an online system. If you misspell something, if you check something wrong, you don't answer a question correctly, that just gets transferred onto your paperwork. And then now that's wrong. Uh, plus you have all the procedural steps, the filing and the serving and, and all the behind the scenes stuff you have to do. I take care of all that. This is a full service with what I do. It's not online. Everything I type with these fat fingers, uh, I deal with the course directly. I do all the filings, I do everything myself and I work with both of you. So Definitely, I'm a better option than an online service. Okay, number 13. I love it when people call me to ask me a question only later to find out that they had hired another company and they're questioning whether the company they hired are doing the right thing. And um, here's, I don't necessarily love it, but it happened yesterday. Someone called and said, Tim, the service that my wife hired, they're saying we have to do this and that, and your videos are saying we don't, and uh, you sound like you know what you're talking about. Well, I said, thanks. I do know what I'm talking about. All I do is specialize in divorce. 12 years, 8,000 cases. I don't do all the other things that people do. I just do amicable divorce day in, day out, probably 40 to 50 divorce cases a month, um, and I see all varieties of no assets, no ki kids, nothing, you know, married a week to married, you know, 60 years and they have everything. So I've seen it. I've done it. I've dealt with all the courts. I think I, ha I handle more divorce cases than anyone in California. Um, I, I handle them all personally. So I don't have this staff of 10 people doing doing all these things. How do you think I come up with all, the, all this information for a 45-minute video, for 2,800 videos on YouTube, for, you know, uh, 1,000 or 1,500 blog posts and uh, – thousands of videos on, on other platforms. I talk to people. I'm in the mix. I, I, I deal with it. I love it because it gives me this content. Otherwise, I'd have no idea what I'm talking about. Anyways, I'm making these um, podcasts longer, going more in depth, more in detail, talking about things. If you guys uh, have questions, comments, please type them in the, in, the, in the comments in YouTube, and I'll add those to my future podcast episodes and videos and answer those questions for you, whether it be on a podcast or on a short video that I know you guys love. Thank you for joining uh, episode 33 for this Wednesday, November 29th, 2023, Daily Perspective, Day in the Life of an LDA. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good day.